Hello and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller along with Pat Nemers. How are we doing? Doing great. Good to get the band back together, the two-man band, you and me. <laughs> yep. I feel like every time we do it, we say, well, it's been a while. Yeah. But yeah. we're back. Yeah. But you're easy to talk to, so thanks for putting me at ease here again. Abe. Oh, yeah. Having it's always fun. It's always fun to have a conversation about the message and what was going on in your heart and application of the the message? What does that What does that mean for our church and for the people listening? So it's always yeah. fun to chew on this stuff. Uh, why don't you Why don't you kind of start us off with an overview of the message real quickly? Um, if people haven't listened to it, the mystery of the church out of Ephesians, and uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, right. We picked up our our series again. We've been off uh, Ephesians for a year. We did a little intro last week, and then we dove back into the exposition of Ephesians, where we left off a year ago, uh, and that was Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. And uh, we said right, right from the beginning, we're jumping in the deep end, because this is the Apostle Paul talking about the mystery of the church uh, and... Uh, the, and really, we, we really focused on the church as the manifold wisdom of God. So wise, so mind-boggling his wisdom. Even the angelic realm uh, is boggled by his wisdom. So uh, really fun de- jumping back into it and just talking about what that manifold wisdom of God, that is how it's revealed in the world. How, how does the church reveal the wisdom of God. That was the question at hand. And then we try to tackle that in the text. Yeah. And I, and I, um, as I listened to it, I, one of the things that grabbed me was you, um, you asked that question, why, you know, when we look at what God's doing and, and when we don't know the answer, when we're confused or we're looking for answers and we don't have them, we ask that question of why, which I think is a common question that a lot of people ask. A lot of people wonder, God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And and um, you actually made a comment in the message um, that you were you were asking that question personally, yeah, about something. And uh, you said, "I was disheartened." I think is the word you used, and you were asking God, "Why? Why now?" The timing seems. You were like, "The timing is terrible." You know? Yeah. Can you can you give us a little bit of insight what that yeah. was? I know several people said, "What what's going on? What yeah. is that?" Yeah, I even had a friend uh, contact me that day saying, hey, I, I noticed you used the word disheartening and you referred to yourself, but you didn't really explain anything. Is everything okay? And all of that. And so I, uh, of course, appreciated that. I wasn't trying to solicit sympathy in the moment, simply trying to personalize the, the situation, you know, that uh, I, you know, in most, in, in recent days, God and his providence has uh, allowed something in my life that caused me to say, why? Uh uh, not a life and death type kind of thing or anything like that. You know, it's not a sickness thing or cancer or anything like that that I know of. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll just tell you, it was, uh, and it was disheartening, but it, I have a weird kind of, well, it's not weird. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding going on yeah, right now. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's disappointing as it is. So what happened was the day before, uh, uh, it was Saturday. The only day of the week I get to sleep in is Saturday. And it's not every Saturday I get to sleep in. But this was a Saturday my wife and I were looking forward to not having the alarm on or anything. You know, 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, and a gal in our church uh, texted me and asked me if I'd been hacked. You know, the, you know, the word you don't ever want to hear, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I just said, I, I don't know. And I went to my phone and, you know, I went to my 
Facebook account and it wasn't there. Uh, in fact, all kinds of warnings came up. I had emails from Facebook and uh, some inappropriate con- uh, content. And I would, you know, I'm just, I'm still wiping the sleep from my eyes more or less, you yeah. know? And, um, so I, it didn't tell me anything just that they had removed my account. And then I saw that someone at five fourteen AM somewhere in our world got their pause on my account somehow or another got their way in there and they didn't just hack it, but they put something, uh, very inappropriate on there and I never saw it, but, uh, and I'm thankful that Facebook caught it very quickly. I don't know how quickly, but I'm going to guess within, within 30 minutes, they caught it. And I'm glad it was early in the morning. You know, lots more people could have seen something like this and, and they took it down and while they took it down, they also took down my account. Anybody who knows anything about this mammoth Facebook, you know, that's, you know, you're, when you're trying to talk with them, you're trying to communicate with them. It's, you're not talking to human beings. You're talking, you're communicating with bots. And, uh, you know, I, you know, they asked the question, was this you? Uh, no. Uh, would you like to, <laughs> would you like to file an appeal? Yes. <laughs> uh, put me back up. That was somebody hacked me, you know, whatever it, uh, within an hour, uh, we received a response. I, my account's been removed. It's the, the decision is final, quote unquote. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm stymied at this point. We got our tech uh, manager who's amazing on it. And he's, he, he could jump through, you know, 15 hoops when I'm trying to look for the first one, you know. So yeah. uh, he's done all of that. And we, it's been one stone wall after another. Uh, we have friends, friends, mutual friends of you and me that have uh, something similar to this occurred to them about a year ago. They were off for six months from social media. So, you know, personally, uh, you know, the fact that somebody got a hold of my info, all my Facebook stuff and my pictures and stuff, I, that bothers a lot of people. I guess you could feel kind of violated that way. Um, I, I do wonder about what kind of a demonic mindset does something like this, what the motivation behind it is, what's, what's the gain other than to be ruinous, you know, to somebody. And, uh, uh, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I've got lots of kids, as you know, and I, I, I like social media just for the sake of being able to keep up with my kids. I have a lot of friends. I like to be able to keep up with other, other ministries like anybody else. But to be honest, Dave, I've, <laughs> I'm guilty of the death scroll that everybody else has been on Facebook and I don't need that. And to be off social media for a period of time, I, I see that as a blessing of God in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, we are making our appeals. I hope to get back on, uh, sooner than later. It's very impractical. The disheartening thing was, uh, as, as has been discussed here before, and this isn't meant to be a hard sell, uh, for the book that I published. It's coming out here in November, uh, but you know, the, the principal advertisement of that book, uh, retractions, cultivating humility after humiliation, um, is the social media realm, which I, I am no longer, I'm, I don't have no Facebook. I have no Instagram. It's gone. And so, uh, I hope I get back on someday, but I'll, I'll just have to trust the Lord's wisdom to be able to conduct my affairs and the advertisement of the book in the days to come. Yeah. And that I've, I've been able to read the book already. So I'm excited to talk about that at some point when yeah. that gets closer to it. But, um, you know, even as you were talking about that and I knew what was going on when you preached that and you were saying, God, why, you know, like, I think that's where a lot of people are in a lot of situations. Yeah. Like what, what was the answer? What answer did you come up with? Well, the short term, 
answer to me was, you know, I, and you know, this. I, I love the sovereignty of God. I love the big picture of God. I love the fact that God rules over all things. And I preach that, but I have to live that too. And along with sovereignty, closely related to the sovereignty of God is the providence of God where he puts things together. And many of our listeners uh, know uh, Romans eight twenty eight. I feel like I'm living that in real time, you know, that, uh, that, you know, all things work together. You know, I always say that the problem with everybody loves Romans 8, 20, they just don't like the together part because all things work together to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So for me, I look at it as a combination of, you know, like Joseph's, like Joseph's declaration to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. I don't know what good it is, but I can tell you a short-term good is I'm off social media and I already can tell you that's a good thing for me. Uh, I, the other good thing that I'd say is I have a clear conscience. I'm not guilty of what Facebook took me down for. I didn't do anything wrong. Somebody hacked me. They put something really evil up there, but I don't, I didn't do it. I'm okay with that. If I was guilty of it, well, okay, that'd be a different story. (laughs) Yeah. We'd be having a different conversation, different conversation. (laughs) And so, um, just grateful to God for his providence and maybe some other reasons will come out. It's just too early right now to know, but I trust the Lord. That's what, that was one of the points in the whole message. We trust the Lord during these times. And, uh, I think it's important, uh, that, you know, if the church is going to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God, we as individual temples or building of stones in that temple have to demonstrate to the world that we trust the Lord, not just to save us from our sins, but to, you know, help us navigate these issues in life, big or little. And, you know, most people listening to this who are dealing with things like cancer and other things, those are big things compared to what I'm dealing with. But we can ask why. It's not wrong to ask why. Even Psalm, the psalmist said, Psalm 13, why, or not why, he said, how long, oh Lord? Same kind of thing, you know. But we can ask why, but I've said this often, just don't ask with your fist, your fist shaking at God. Mm. That's, that's the wrong heart in the matter. Because the world needs to see that Christians deal with problems differently than, day, than the world deals with problems. We all have the same problems. Right. But Christians should be dealing with them differently. We have to demonstrate our trust in the Lord during those times. Yeah. I feel like as you talk to people, when, when, it's, a big, when it's a big issue or a big problem that's out of our control, then, then it's like, well, I can't do anything, so I'm trusting God in the moment. It's, it's the little things that we have control over that we think we can manipulate and we have a plan that we somehow have control over. When mm. it doesn't go our way, then we're like... You know, we're all up in arms and our whole world is rocked because it didn't go the way we thought. And yeah. that seems to be harder than the bigger things. Yeah. You know, the, the big things are like, I can trust God in that. And the, it's the little daily day to day stuff that people are just like, it's not going the way I want. Yeah. And, and then they feel like they're out of control. And now am I really trusting the Lord? You know, I was, I just sent a text to somebody near and very dear to me this morning. And I said to this person, I said, I said, you need to keep Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 before your eyes. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And I hope that was a good word to this person dear to me. It's certainly a word I have to speak to myself. Yep, yep. Yeah, I really like the, when you were talking about the church and, um, 
you know, we are God's plan. We're God's design, the church to go and share the gospel, to be the light, to be out in there, you know, and how we do make such a big deal about the Sunday meeting, coming together, worshiping, preaching, but then, you know, Monday through Saturday, the church, yeah. quote unquote, the people are out there being, being the light, being the example, being, um, being Christ to their coworkers, to their family members, their neighbors, all of that kind of stuff, which is, that's where the rubber meets the road. And a lot of, you know, we can show up for the hour, but then what are we doing when we get out there? And, um, I love that, you know, that, that you talked about the, we are the temple of the Holy spirit. First Corinthians six nineteen. Um, what if we act, this is a question I had. What if we act one way outside the church and act another way at church on Sunday? Like, how are we acting? You know, a lot of people say, like, I went to church, right? But then Monday through Saturday, they're not really being the church. They're not right. acting like Christians. It's a lot, it's easier to come to the one-hour service and then not not live it out yeah. the other days. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that's a lot more people than we care to admit, right? And uh, uh, I don't follow people around. <laughs> uh, seems like people follow me around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. We pastors sort of live in the glass houses, you know. Yep. And that's, you know, we have a higher, we, you know, we're given a, we have a higher standard in that regard. But yeah, I mean, hypocrisy, you know, wasn't born yesterday. And, uh, you know, ever since Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead on the spot for their hypocrisy, I, I've often thought, you know, what if, I mean, it's a good thing God doesn't treat us all the way he treated Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> There'd be a lot of people dropping dead for the hypocrisy outside of church, you know, come in here and lift up their voices and sing praises to Jesus, you know, and and uh, sit, sit there and listen like they're really attentive and, and even maybe even interact and have an answer, but then go go back and, 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 uh, you know, have work ethics that are questionable, uh, neighborly ethics that are questionable. I mean, how, I mean, people see us all the time. I mean, I, that's, I mean, unless we're recluses, I mean, most of us are out there in one way, shape or form. And, uh, we had to ask her what, what, what I hear, what, what, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite somebody just is somebody who's not himself. That's probably the best definition of a hypocrite. He's just somebody who's not himself. He really isn't. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we did cover this already and we talked a little bit about this, but like, you know, you had the God's manifold wisdom is revealed through the trust of Jesus people. That was the first, that was the first point of the message. And we already kind of talked about trust and, you know, do we trust Jesus and the big and the little things? And, um, but the, you said something, you know, like the world is watching us, you know, mm -hmm. like how do we respond um, and does it show it to others, which is challenging. I think, you know, to me personally, you know, I just think of people I interact with, you know, I'm, I'm, I do a lot of bicycling with a lot of different people and I, and I've, you know, even at the end, you, you talked about that, um, a bold, the boldness, you know, that's the last point, yeah. but even, you know, what, what am I, what are they seeing in me? Right. Right. What are people seeing in me? What am I, wherever you are, coworkers, classmates, whatever that is, do they, because you said before, you know, we all are dealing with problems. We're all dealing with issues or anxiety or we're worried about stuff, you know, but how are we, how are we responding? Right. That's such a, do we really trust the Lord in yep. the midst of that kind of stuff? But how do, how do people practically live that out? You know, like, okay, I'm, I am worried. I am anxious. I, I'm not trusting the Lord right now. I mean, is there anything we can do? We should do. 
we pray about it, read our Bible more. <laughs> I mean, come to church more, get into a community group. I mean, what, what's the answer to that? Yeah, because I think everybody it. wants to trust the Lord. It's just like, man, I, but I'm, I'm having a hard time doing it. It's funny. You know, that's, that's always that, uh, the, the, the answer is read your Bible more, you know, go to church more. And, but there is something to that. I mean, uh, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm so convinced. I think, I think the answer is we have to be convinced that the Bible is the very word of God. It is God talking to us. And when we open it every morning, and I hope our listeners do that, we go with that attitude, God, I'm hearing from you right now. This is your word to me. I get it. You're writing to a certain people group or whatever, and there are applications and context and all these things we have to take into consideration. But at the end of the day, all scripture is profitable. That's what 2 Timothy 3 says. And then I believe that. And if I believe that, then I can trust the Lord that the circumstances that I'm enduring, he's he's going to make a way he's going to figure it out for me. And I would say to answer your question, if we're in the world and we're talking to lost people and we've got issues and our issues are right in front of them, you know, whatever the, what, you know, problem that we're enduring is right in front of them. Why, why deny the problem? Why deny the struggle? Why deny the questioning, the wondering? We don't have to, we can do that without being rebellious and cynical. Why not say, you know what? This, um, I was really, really looking forward to uh, some of my active involvement in social media this week, but because of these circumstances, I, my, my account was taken down. And but you know what? I, and I'm, I'm bummed. I'll be honest, I'm bummed. I got, <laughs> I got 10 kids, a bunch of grandkids, lots of friends. I like to see what's going on in their world. But you know what? This is, this is, small, this is small stuff. This is first world problems here, you know? And my God's way bigger than this. And I'm okay with it. And you know what? I, I, I'm thinking God's got something better for me, or he's, he's trying to teach me something I need to learn. Maybe I'm just spending way too much time on there and he just wants more of my time. I, I guess my answer to you is we need to not be afraid as Proverbs three, five and six says in all your ways, acknowledge him. I think the problem is we all have our ways, but we don't always acknowledge God in those ways. And I think an unashamed, bold witness will make God known in whatever you're going through, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, that's good. Let's move on to the humility. You, that was the second point. Um, and you you made a you made a point, and this was the this was the phrase: humility never generalizes God's promises; it personalizes them. Yeah. And you talked, you you know, you said Christ died for me. You know, He took my place. He, yeah. It was me. It was me. You know. And you were talking about Paul and a narcissist and yeah. stuff like that. But talk a little bit about that phrase because that's a humility. You know, you and I have talked about this. You know, everybody loves a humble person, right? You can never go wrong with humility. Like if somebody sins or screws up or whatever, and they come in humility, everyone's like, oh man, how can I say no to that? How can we, how can we be mad or upset? Like they're humbling themselves. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I just to let you know, this is my favorite part of the message by far and away. Uh, every once in a while, some will say, what was your favorite part of the message? It's always kind of weird because I'm the one who preached the message, you know, <laughs> but this is it right yeah, here. And yeah. that line that I, I, I came up with, I told you earlier, I said, I actually put this in my little quotable quote section of things that thoughts of the Lord has placed on my mind or my heart. And I love this. I mean, if you don't mind, I'll quote it again. I said, humility never generalizes God's promises. It personalizes them. And so Paul said, 
at the very beginning to me who am I'm the very least of all the saints and then he goes on but he starts out and the and the phrase to me is emphatic in the Greek so it's at the front end of the sentence to me it's like can you believe this to he did this for me mm-hmm. and I quoted Galatians 2 20 to show that this isn't the only time Paul talked about to me he did it also I just this just came to my mind he he did it in the resurrection passage too where he talked about and finally to me i mean god you know jesus showed himself to me you know as one born out of time the point is like in galatians 2 20 i'm crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me and it just hit me humility never generalizes god's promises it personalizes them. And that doesn't make you proud. It just keeps you humble when you realize, oh my goodness, God did this for me. Mm. You know, I'll talk to people about Jesus, you know, and I'll be sharing the gospel with them. I have an opportunity in a couple of days to hang out with some uh, some people who are becoming dear to us, who are, we're trusting will embrace the gospel here one of these days. And, uh, you know, I, imagine if one of them said, well, yeah, I know, I, I get it. Now, Jesus died for everybody. You know, I, when I always tell them, hey, Jesus didn't die for everybody. He died for you. You know, that when we're caught up in the fact that he died for us, that doesn't make us proud. That keeps us humble. That doesn't make us proud. It keeps us humble. Yeah, that's, that's, um, it, it definitely, when you personalize it, it, it um it does it does uh drive it home more i think that you're definitely right on that for sure i think it it is humbling to think about what christ did for me personally and like what is my life what am i doing you know he 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 died for christ died for me personally to so that i could live for him right so that i can die to myself i can live right. live to christ and i think it does it does focus all of life you know there's just so many things we're doing yeah. this and we're doing this and we're running everywhere and at the end of the day like what what did god save me for what am i doing how am i giving him glory how am i trusting him how am i being bold how am i carrying myself in humility uh to be a to be a witness uh around people that i know or work with or interact with so um you also talked about um micah 6 8 um mm-hmm. That, uh, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And I think that's, uh, that's a great, great challenge, a great thing. And, and you also, you also talked about, you know, Paul, the idea of, um, he must increase and I must decrease. It was actually John the Baptist who said yeah, that. Yeah. I'm sorry, John the Baptist. Yeah. Um, but just that, that, that idea of, I'm not worthy, you know, God did that for, for me. Um, yeah, it, it's really good. Then you, then you did talk about Paul's descending assessment of himself, mm. the least of the apostles. What, what's the, um, I was even thinking about this the other day, you know, a lot of times when we get together, especially guys, it's, you know, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what defines me. This is, there's always this sense of like, I've got to prove myself which is the opposite of humility, right? Humility. I mean, it seems like we're always trying to like one up each other or like, I'm, I've, but what's, what's the benefit of, of a humble spirit and, and living in humility 
for for someone who's watching, like what does that what does that say to other people by living a humble life? Well, I mean, I, a couple of things are coming to my mind as you were asking that question, Abe. Uh, you know, I, there are people I know who, if you ask them how they're doing, they've adopted and embraced Dave Ramsey's famous line, better than I deserve, right? It's a great line until I get sick of hearing it. <laughs> I'm so tired of hearing people say, better than I deserve. Okay, that's true. Okay. Mm. Why don't you go a little lower than that? <laughs> I mean, in other words, at some point, I mean, the apostle Paul didn't say, I'm the least of the apostles, you know, how, you know, uh, and then five years later, how are you doing, Paul? Well, you know, pretty good. I'm the least of the apostles, you know, <laughs> I mean, he, he went from there to, I'm the least of all the saints. And he went from there years later to say, you know, I'm the worst sinner of all. I think there's just something about that. The closer we get to the Lord, the older we grow in grace, uh, the more humble, the more the the realization of the truth we've always known that we don't deserve it and that we deserve everything else but uh, and it just makes us hopefully love the lord more and more and um and that'll avoid some of the pride and while i'm at it i i, I like to say that it, let me just go on record as saying that that humility and zeal or boldness are not are not they're not an antithesis of one another. They're not like oil and water. They can go together. I think the most zealous people in the world for Jesus are also the humblest people. And uh, we can be both. Hmm. We can be both. I mean, sometimes we get tripped up by somebody who has a really, we say a humble demeanor. Well, they might be very proud on the inside. Right. Yep. You know, and uh, uh, so I just think it's a beautiful assessment that Paul himself gave us. It's one we should all aspire to. And, um, you know, that's the reason why I subtitled that book, Cultivating Humility After Humiliation. So, okay, I just had a humiliating experience here over the weekend, okay? And um, now how am, I gonna, how am I going to cultivate humility as a result of that? Right. I think that's important. It's important for me personally in my own walk with God. And it's important for me from the perspective of people watching. They need to know that not just me as a pastor, but just me as a guy, as a friend, as a mm. follower of Jesus. You know, I'm, I can take it on the chin and, and move on. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a good transition into the last one with, with boldness um, was the last point, you know. So we've got trust, trust in Jesus, humility, and then boldness. And I think even even what you just said there about humility. I mean, you're you're known as a bold guy. Mm -hmm. You speak with authority with scripture, which is a lot. I mean, that's where you're getting your authority because you know scripture well. But um, people would say you're very bold. You have a strong personality. You have a ton of zeal. You have a ton of passion. But you also have humility. You also are able to admit you're wrong. I mean, I've worked with you for twenty years, and I think that's a great trait that you have. Is not Yes, you're very strong, you're very bold, you're very confident when it comes to spiritual things, but then you're very quick also off stage to say I I'm listening. I'm I'll take it. I need to change. I you know, and I've seen that, which I think is that I think that's what you're talking about. That's the that's the both of those going together, but I think the you get your authority from scripture. I mean, you just know it so well that you can say yeah, this is what scripture says, right? Mm -hmm. So um, one of the one of the things you said in there though was like you know we have freedom of speech when to say it who to say it to how to say it 
Um, and that, that's just interacting with people. But some people would say, I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know when to say it. What would you say to those people that are just struggling with that? They just are, there's fear maybe. Yeah. They don't want it. They're not bold. Well, there's, I mean, fear is a real thing. I get it. And it, uh, it's paralyzing. You know, John says, perfect love cast out fear. So I think it comes back to your walk with God and your commitment to his word as truth. And if I'm really committed, I, then I'm, I'm going to be less afraid to tell that truth to somebody and to do so in a loving, you know, kind of manner. Uh, so I guess I would, you know, the, the context is, is how the church, you know, declares the manifold wisdom of God. It does so through our trust, not just getting saved to trust Jesus, but our trusting him in life and during circumstances, our humility on display as well throughout life and growing in humility. And then boldness, the boldness to just be able to say unapologetically, this is what I believe. And I would, I, this is the joy I have that God has given me in Christ. I so much want you to have that joy as well. And, um, but it's like anything else. I would, I would illustrate it by asking the, the questioner, if that questioner is you, or if that questioner is one of our listening audience, how do I get this boldness? I'm kind of a fearful person or I'm afraid. Um, I'd ask you, do you have a job? I mean, literally, do you have a job? Yep. Uh, do you know your job? Mm -hmm. Do you understand the uh, description behind your job? Yep. Uh, are you good at your job? Uh, <laughs> well, I would say you're really good at your job. I mean, you are the administrative slash executive pastor of this church. I mean, the entire, the entire staff answers to you, including me. And, and I trust you because I know you know what you're doing. You know your job. You mm -hmm. really do know your job. And I would say to our listening audience, if you're a factory worker, I'm guessing you know your job. You right. know how to run that machine. Right. You know how to. You know how to. You know how to. You know what you do. What to do in this? If you're a, if you're a business work, if you're in the business world, you're in the corporate world. If you're good at your job, you're good at your job because you know your job. And to me, the answer when it comes to boldness and witnessing is know your God, know his word. Uh, and that will give you that holy boldness that will give way to freedom of speech when it comes to um, talking to Jesus. And hopefully those people like in, like in Acts 4 will recognize you as being a companion of Jesus. Yeah. Want to join you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because you even you even said that, you know, how are you recognized? Are you a churchgoer? Are mm -hmm. you goofy? Are you a hypocrite? Mm -hmm. A Bible guy? A religious gal? Or are you a companion of Jesus? Mm -hmm. And I think we all have to answer that question yep. on every level, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whoever we interact with. we If we were to interview the people that you're around, they're going to come up with some answer. They're going to define, you know, if those were the, if those were the Check one of these boxes for Abe Miller. Yeah. You know, would it be he's goofy and <laughs> hypocrite? You know, like I hope they would say he's a companion of Jesus. Yep. But that's a good challenge for all of us, yep. right? Because uh, I know there's definitely times in my own life that I'm like, I do just want to hide. I do just want to not, oh, do I want to step into this right now? Do I, like, I'll just, I'll take the easy road, you know, and not have the boldness uh, that I maybe should have in those situations. So I think it, it's a good challenge to just, say yeah like i just interacted with my my cycling friends like what did they leave with mm. what 
what did they, what's the last thing they remember? Like, wow, he talked about himself the entire time or <laughs> wow, he was an encourager or wow, he talked about his church and Jesus, you know, like what that's on every conversation. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So any, any closing thoughts? No, just, I would just challenge the, the, those of you that are listening that are truly Christ followers, you're truly Christians to realize that you're in the church. And if you're in the church, both when you meet together as a group or out there in the world, as you mentioned, Abe, you're still the church and you are, you are the temple. You are the mobile temple of God, wherever you go, you should be a part of making the manifold wisdom of God on display in this world through your trust through your humility and through your boldness. Now go out there and make a difference for Jesus.